Good morning, church family. How are we doing this morning, y'all? Hey, we got some response. All right. Well, if y'all have noticed out in the lobby, it kind of looks like we're having rally days. This is not exactly rally days. Uh, we're actually calling it March Madness. We're doing a volunteer push. So if you notice, there's some tables out there with some sign-up sheets, especially the one with the blinky lights. Make sure you sign up for that one. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Tripp. I am the production director for church on the trail that's uh, our production table if you feel like plugging in but staying behind the scenes that's a place for you or kids are your passion you can jump in with our tots or with our trail kids uh, but if this is your first time here we have a welcome packet we've got Lynn walking around with some welcome packets uh, raise your hand he'll get one in your hands it tells you a little bit about what the DNA of our church is about helping people find their way back to God and to grow uh, if you fill out the connection card on the inside, take it to our connections desk. Uh, we have a fabulous prize for you. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to our worship band. Let's stand and worship together this morning, y'all. It's so good to see y'all's faces this morning. We're just going to worship him.
this morning. We're just going to continue just to worship him and to lift him up and to glorify him and sing our praises. So just keep, keep with us. There's a moon that hovers mountains Walks on my ways through the sea I've seen its power and love with There's a faith that stands to fly
is all-powerful. We're just here to serve him and to worship him today. I can feel him in this place. I hope you can too. I know he's here.
say it enough, and we can't sing it enough. And Lord, thank you for meeting us in our moments of worship, and we do. We desire to sing it a thousand times and then a thousand more, because it'll never be enough. But thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you that we could gather like this to worship. Thank you for receiving our worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Welcome, BC. Didn't our uh, praise team do a good job for us this morning? We appreciate that. We want to welcome everybody here today. We're glad that you've come to worship. It's great to gather together in the building. We also thank you it, for those of you who are watching online. Maybe you've, uh, maybe you're watching live with us this morning at whatever, or maybe at some point in the future. Thank you for clicking this link and joining us in worship. It is a good time and a good day to worship the Lord, isn't it? Good stuff today. Listen, we want to take just a moment, welcome you again. Thank you for being here, but we want to just tell you some of the stuff going on at Church on the Trail over the next couple of weeks. So this is the always exciting announcement time. Yeah, that's about the enthusiasm I expected, but hey, we'll get through this together. Listen, we want to let you know that this Wednesday night, we're having our, 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 our gathering. We gather every month on the second Wednesday for what we call midweek gathering. We meet over on the kids' side, which is the building right next door to us here. And, uh, and we have a meal together. So we gather, uh, we, we, we eat together, we have a quick devotion. It takes about an hour all together for the meal and our hangout time. And so we want you guys to be there. How many of you guys have been to one of our midweek gatherings in the past? Are they awesome or not? Yep. So it is not too late. You can be involved. So the meal, it, it costs $7 per person. And we cap it if you've got a, a, a larger family. No, no more than 25 bucks per family. And that covers the, uh, the meal that will be served. And we do not have child care. Because we want the kids in there around the table hanging out. Families together this Wednesday night. We gather at 6 p.m. So if you want to be involved, go to churchonthetrail.org slash events and register. Register online. Let us know you're coming. Let us know how many of you are coming, and uh, we'll be ready for you. All right? So we hope you can do that this Wednesday. We also want to let you know that a few weeks from now, in fact, three weeks from today, in our worship gathering here on Sunday the 27th, we're going to have our baby dedication. We do this a couple of times a year. So if you have a, a little baby or a young child, 
that you would like to have dedicated. We have a really cool service, or we carve out a few minutes in our service to have this wonderful ceremony of blessing the children and dedicating them to the Lord. So it's a cool moment for a lot of families. If you want to be involved, also let us know by visiting churchonthetrail.org. And uh, you can uh, leave us in the, the events tab, and you can let us know. Our, uh, our children's ministry team will be ready to help you with that. I've got one more announcement I want to make you aware of. You may, you may already be aware that in the recent months, we've been walking, on, on, during our Sunday morning services, we've been walking through the book of Acts in the New Testament, and it's been awesome. But we are going to pause our normal series starting next Sunday. And we're going to spend six weeks in a new series called From the Ashes. And this series will lead us right up to, and it will conclude on Easter Sunday. It's going to be amazing. But it starts next Sunday. So what we've done is we have printed these way cool invite cards. We put them on the seats in the auditorium today, meaning you either are looking at this or you're sitting on it right now, which I know is awkward, but we would just want you to take a moment, access the, uh, the invite cards from wherever they may be, and just, well, here, here's the deal. We would like you guys to take these cards and spread them all around. Let everybody know what's going on. Invite family, friends, coworkers, teammates, classmates. Use these invite cards to let people know what's going on. So every Sunday for the next six weeks at 10 a.m. from the ashes. want to uh, read to you on the back. It gives a little synopsis. It says, our lives can sometimes feel like they are a pile of ashes. We can be broken, shattered, and destroyed. However... The good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is that we can experience new life and we can have our life raised from the ashes. How cool is that? So the message over these next six, week, uh, six weeks is going to be powerful and it's going to apply to all of us. Spread the word. Use the invite cards. Uh, repost stuff you see us post on social and let people know what's going on. Okay? Now... Before we go to our next uh, part of our service, I would like to introduce one of our elders. His name is Mike Veneziani. He's one of the better looking of the elders <laughs> at our church. How about a hand for Mike Veneziani? Mike is going to lead us uh, into a time of worship by receiving an offering. Mike, thank you, brother. Okay. Uh, can you hear me okay? All right. Uh, bear with me. I'm going to read some notes. Um, as he said, my name is Mike Veneziani. I'm one of the elders here at Church on the Trail. I want to share my thoughts on tithing with you as we prepare to give this morning. Uh, my first thought, and I know you all can probably relate considering your own past, but it really is mind-blowing to think about God's grace in my life. I am so thankful for his grace and provision in my life. God is faithful. God is good. And he is worthy of my praise. I like to acknowledge this when I'm tithing and giving. Another thought, I rely on God daily for so many things, and I believe honoring God with my finances shows God that I am in a trusting relationship with him. One more thought, when, I, when tithing, I, I think about how God is here working at Church on the Trail, using our tithes collectively to fulfill the mission of sharing Jesus with others and encouraging families in the community week in and week out. 
I want to leave you with this passage written in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give whatever you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for a time to come before you, God, and worship your name. Uh, worship what you do here in our lives, God, and we thank you for that. God, uh, I pray for the tithe and offering this morning. I pray that people would give abundantly um, from their heart. Lord, we ask that you would bless that tithe and offering to your name and your service and the spread of your name across this community, Lord, and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Hey, good morning, y'all. Good morning, good morning. My name is, uh, is Ed Griffin-Hagen. I'm one of the pastors uh, on our staff at Church on the Trail, and I am super thankful that y'all are here this morning because there are lots of places that you could be. But you're here whether you're watching on, uh, online somewhere or whether you're sitting here today. I'm just thankful and I'm grateful that God has orchestrated events in our lives to bring us together. I want to give you, I want to not give you another announcement, but I want to reiterate something that Tripp said. Tripp was talking about serving, volunteering. You know, we come together in fellowship, and there is something to be said about that, that we should not, Scripture tells us, not to neglect the gathering of the saints, not to neglect getting together. Well, a major, major did Jesus come to serve or to be served? We, and that is the model, y'all. We should serve each other. We should serve each other on Sunday mornings. We should serve each other throughout the week. We should be living, really, a life of service. And so this March Madness thing that we're talking about is all about um, serving each other, particularly on Sunday mornings, because there are places to serve. And God, I think, I think the Lord does something inside of us when we, when we do serve each other. And there's opportunity everywhere, and the reality is, all of us should be serving. Every single person here. We should be doing something on some rotation, whether it be serving, uh, pouring into children in, you know, over uh, on the kids' side next door, or whether it be in tots, you know, loving on little babies. That generation is the next generation of people that, that God is going to send out to tell the world about himself. Don't minimize that. It's huge. You know, there's so many people that lots of times their testimony kind of begins with, well, I heard about Jesus from this little old lady in first grade Sunday school or something. And then maybe they were the prodigal and they wandered off for some time, but that little old lady's voice just echoes in their mind's eye for, you know, when they're 20 years old or something. Pouring into kids or pouring into tots or, or serving on the, on the production team at the back table. Lots of stuff happens back there. And all everything that we do as a church, everything is filtered through this lens of, is it helping a lost sinner come into a saving relationship with the Lord, or is it helping somebody who is in a relationship with the Lord, a saving relationship, to grow, to move down the line and to grow? And so there's opportunities everywhere, whether it be in the cafe serving up a cup of coffee with a Jesus smile on, on your face, or on the parking team helping people get parked out there, or greeting at the, 
at the front door of the church or at the connections desk or at one of these doors. My point is all of us should be serving each other. And God does good stuff in our hearts and in our minds when we do that. Um, so, last week, y'all, we jumped into uh, chapter 10. And Richard said a minute ago that we've been walking through the, the book of Acts for several months now. We're in chapter 10. And we jumped in last week into chapter 10. <clears throat> and we saw that the Lord, we saw him choosing and preparing a Gentile Roman soldier named Cornelius. He was a Gentile and he was a Roman soldier. He was a centurion in charge of 100 guys. We saw the Lord choosing and preparing him, but then we also saw the Lord choosing and preparing the apostle Peter. And so he, he was preparing um, Cornelius to receive the gospel message, and he was preparing Peter to deliver the gospel message. And they were about 30 or 40 miles apart. And then so you may ask, like I get, that, that he's got to prepare Cornelius because Cornelius is a Gentile, means he wasn't a Jew. That, that the Lord's got to prepare, I get, he's got to prepare Cornelius to receive the message. But this ain't Peter's first rodeo. By this time, Peter had probably shared uh, his Jesus story, shared the gospel message, I would imagine, hundreds and hundreds of times. So what has he got to prepare Peter for? Well, he's got to prepare Peter for delivering it to a Gentile. For delivering it to a Gentile. You know, the gospel is moving on out now. That's the name of today's message. The gospel is moving on out. If you remember, the name of this whole thing is scattered because the church, the believers scattered throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and out to the ends of the earth. And, and this is the beginnings of the out to the ends of the earth. So he's got to prepare Peter to deliver that message to a Gentile. God had to prepare him by dismantling all the prejudices in his life. We've spent about two weeks really talking about that, about prejudices and biases. So God did that. He prepared the receiver of the message and he prepared the deliverer. And God really was teeing up one of the very most important meetings that would ever take place, one of the most important intersecting of, of two people's lives ever and so we left this this narrative this scene in scripture last week we left it where Cornelius had had and he was in Caesarea Maritima uh, kind of on the coast um, we left it where Cornelius had had sent some of his guys three of them to go down to Joppa which is where Peter was it's Joppa now <clears throat> but to go down to Joppa where Peter was and ask him to come to Caesarea and so Cornelius' guys, these three guys, they're knocking on Peter's door. And in verse 19 says this. You know, both of them had had a vision. God, part of the prep for Cornelius and Peter was each one of them had a vision. And so in verse 19, the Holy Spirit said to him, to Peter, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation. We made a big deal out of that last week. Without hesitation, without objection. The Spirit says, rise and go down and accompany them because I have sent them. The Lord says, I'm the one that has sent them. So today we're going to pick this up in verse 21 of Acts 10 and go all the way through verse 43. Verse 21 says this, and Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. Why, why are you here? What's the reason for your coming? So Peter's been prepared for this. 
the whole clean and unclean Jew-Gentile thing had been taken care of through this vision that he had had earlier in Acts 10. Now, if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you weren't here, go back in chapter 10 and look at this vision that Peter had with the thing that looked like a sheet coming down and all the animals on it. God used that to prepare Peter. Verse 22, and they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation. Now remember, Cornelius, he's a Gentile. He's a centurion. But Cornelius believes and he acknowledges that the God of Israel is the one true God. And now we see in Scripture that even the Jews think that he's a pretty good guy. And so the text goes on, says, Cornelius was directed by a holy angel to send for you, to send for you Peter, to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So Cornelius, we touched on this last week, Cornelius wanted more. He had been given enough light to recognize Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty, as the God. He'd been given enough to know that, to believe that. But he wants more light. He wants more truth. Why? He knows the God of Israel as the God, but he wants more. And God provides more. Why is it that God provides more? Y'all, because that's what he does. It's what he does. He always provides more to those who want more. Earnestly, honestly, in our minds and in our hearts, the Lord said in Jeremiah 29, verse 13 of Jeremiah 29, He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? With all of your heart. If you're looking for him, if you're trying to understand him, if you're trying to know him, and you're doing that honestly, he's going to show up. You're going to recognize that he is there if you're looking for him honestly. So verse 23 says, so he invited them in. Who did? Peter invited these three guys from Cornelius' uh, house. He invited them in to be his guests. Well, he invites these three guys in just for a minute. No, he invites them in to stay that night, to stay as his guests. Now, that's crazy because they're Gentiles. So God really has kind of redeemed Peter's prejudices, and, and one of them is even a Roman soldier. A Roman soldier and Peter lets them come in and they spend the night and, and the scripture goes on and says the next day he rose and went away with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him and we find out in chapter 11 that it was about six of his guys, Peter's guys, guys that went with him. Verse 24, and on the following day they entered Caesarea. How many, who entered? Seven from Peter's little band and three from Cornelius's, so ten of them get there. They enter Caesarea and Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and his close friends. So, so Cornelius got his relatives, his kin people, and many of his friends there. It is like Cornelius is already an evangelist, and he ain't even heard the gospel yet. It's like he's already inviting people over to his house to hear the good news, and he hadn't really heard the good news yet. But he knew somehow, some way inside of him, he knew that God was going to provide more 
and he wanted his friends and his families to hear the more that was going to be provided. Verse 25 says, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet. Whose feet? Peter's feet. And worshipped him. But Peter lifted, uh, lifted him up and said, stand up. Like, stand up. I'm like, I'm just, get up. Don't be worshipping me. I'm just a guy. And I could go on and on about that, but suffice it to say that Peter is mortified that anyone would worship him. And I would say today, as we sit here, religions that worship the Apostle Peter, it's jacked up, man. He is just a guy. Don't put a guy on a throne. They'll fail you every time. So don't put a guy on a throne. And so Peter's like, get up, bro. This is not uh, uh, about me. It's not about me. Verse 27. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. It's all of of Cornelius' friends and his family. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of any other nation. And in Jewish law, it was unlawful for him to be in that house. But listen to what he says. He said, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. God trumps the law. And he tells him, yeah, the law said that. But he said, I've abolished that, that whole thing with the clean and unclean animals. God said, I've abolished all of that, and don't be calling somebody unclean that I call clean. Don't be calling somebody common that, that, that I call clean. So God has, has kind of removed all of that. He's abolished that, that Jew-Gentile division. And so verse, uh, verse 29 goes on and says, so, So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. Like, why did you send for me? Why do you want me to come here? So Cornelius then shares the vision that he had with Peter. And and verse 30 says, and Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. And so, so Cornelius is going through this vision that he had with Peter. He says, send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Cornelius is like, we're here. We're going to listen You're going to talk. We're going to hear what you got to say. We want to hear it all, Peter. Let's just get it done. Y'all, God orders all of that. God orchestrates all of that. A man or a woman's salvation is not random. It is not coincidental. It is not happenstance. It does not happen just by chance. God orders it all. The deal right here, it began with God choosing two men, and he put the want to in one of them. He put the want to. Cornelius didn't just come up with this yearning, this this thirst to know God on his own. The Lord put that in him. He chose him, and the Lord put the want to in Cornelius to, to want to know more. And then the Lord removes something from Peter's life that was really horrific. 
the prejudice and the bias, it's horrific. And God just took that away. God provided visions for both of those men literally at the same time. And he provided those visions to lead them and to, to, to direct them to the place that God wants them to be. And then, bam, their paths cross. Cornelius, he's like, give it to me, Peter. And so you have this, this message, this sermon that begins in verse 34 of Acts 10. It's like Peter's sermon to Cornelius and his friends and family. And I, wanna, I, wanna give you, I want you to give me some, a little bit of artistic license, I guess. Because when you read this in Acts 10, and I want you to in, get in your mind what's going on. And Peter is, is standing, you know, in the living room in Cornelius' house. And all these people are there. I don't know how many, but it's his friends and his family. Several, for sure. And, and when you read it in the, in the Bible, it would take you about 20 seconds to read it. Well, that's Luke really recording and summarizing what Peter said because you know that it was longer. You know that Peter went on. And so I want to go through sort of Peter's message to them. And I'm going to bounce in and out of it so you just kind of track with me. So verse 34 says, So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So again, Peter's saying, I get that God doesn't play favorites. He Not culturally, not politically, not religiously, not racially, or in any other way, he is not partial he is impartial. And so Peter is like Cornelius. Like, I know you're a Gentile. I know you are. But let me tell you, salvation is available to you. He's like, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care if you got a long beard, a short beard, or no beard. Like, I don't care. I don't care if you're blue, white, green, purple, whatever. Salvation, rich poor, Jew, Greek, Muslim, whatever. He says salvation is available to you. If you've got a worship guide, that is one of your little, probably the first fill in the blank. Salvation is available. That is like the introduction to Peter's sermon sit, sitting in their house. Salvation is available. And I would say this, the, the crux, the theme of Everything that Peter is saying as he's sitting there is that this salvation that is available to you, this salvation is in Christ. So awesome, it's, a, it's available to me. But how do I get it? Well, it's in Christ. He is the only one. He is the, y'all hear this, he is the only one that will provide you with resurrection life. He is the only one that went in a tomb dead and ran out of the tomb alive. Buddha, dead and rotten. Muhammad, dead and rotting. David, dead and rotting. All of them, dead and rotting except for Jesus. He provides me and you as Christ followers with resurrection life. Look at John chapter 14. Jesus' words. John chapter 14 and verse 19. He says, because I live... You also will live. You will live not because you did something great, like not because your great-grandfather was Abraham, 
right? Not because you're white or black or green or whatever. You are going to live as a Christ follower because he lived. He provides that. So now Peter starts, uh, amen, thank you. So, so now Peter starts preaching some Jesus in verse 36. He says, as for the word that he sent to Israel. Now remember, Cornelius, he's talking to Cornelius and his family. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ. And then in parentheses, kind of, kind of as an aside almost, through Jesus Christ. Oh, he's the one that is Lord of all. So y'all, man was, reality is this. Man still is at war with God. All, every one of us in this room, we were born into this world in conflict with God. We were at odds with God. David wrote in Psalm 51, it's not on the screen, write it down, Psalm 51 verse 5. He says, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. The New Living Translation says it this way. I was born a sinner from the second my mama conceived me. From the, it probably doesn't say mama, it probably says mother. But I was, I was, I was born a sinner from the second I was conceived. But God sent his word. God revealed his very desire. He, he, he revealed his very will. He, he revealed his very mind. And, and his very will and his desire is that you and I would be at peace with him. We're born at odds with him, but he wants us to be at peace with him. But the problem is this. And this, is, this problem exists today just like it existed 2, 3, 4, 5, 10,000 years ago. The problem is left, on, on, left to ourselves, there is no peace. Man is not at peace with himself. If man is not at peace with himself, he's not going to be at peace with his family. Strife, conflict, tension. If he's not at peace with his family, nations aren't going to have peace with other nations. So what we see in this big picture, nations at odds with other nations, it's going on, y'all, right now. Just look at Ukraine. So what we see in this big picture of nations at odds with other nations is an image of what is going on in the smaller relationship. Lack of peace rolls out and in myself, lack of peace in myself. It just kind of rolls out and out and out and out. And there's this chasm of discontent and disharmony that's like this, this great gulf of, of disharmony that man cannot bridge himself. Much as we think we can and much as we think we're in control, we cannot bridge that chasm ourselves. And then God jumps in. Can't you hear Peter saying it? God jumped into history. He's like, I got good news for you, Cornelius. I've got really good news. And the good news is that there is peace. There is peace. That peace is in my son, Jesus Christ, who is Lord of everything and everybody. Let me ask you this. Y'all, let me ask you this. Why in the world? Would anybody live in rebellion against God when he can live at peace with God? Like, why? Why would you want to live in rebellion with your family and yourself when you can live in peace with your family? Like, honest to God, y'all, why would anybody do that? It makes no sense to me. Salvation is available. 
reconciliation is available. Well, how is that? Well, we can have peace with him because in Christ, he took care of the sins. He took care of the sins. He took care of that that gulf, that chasm. And sin is the friction point. You get that? Sin is the friction point. God is holy, and we tend to smash up all that he's got going on with sin. And that creates a no peace thing. That creates a no peace zone. That creates a life that is peaceless. Because we think we're in control, but we're not. And so that creates this life that is peaceless. But if we will allow the the, the blood of Christ to cover it and to handle it, he says, he promises, y'all, he promises I'll clean the slate. You can hear Peter. Peter's telling Cornelius, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he promises to clean the slate. Cornelius, he says, I'll take your sin and I'll move it as far as the east is from the west. I'll take your sin and I'll throw it into the abyss, Scripture says. He says, I'll remember your sins no more and there'll be peace. And verse 36 says that peace comes through Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. So salvation is available. Salvation is in Christ and only in Christ. Now, it would be awesome if I could stand up here and tell you that, that all roads lead to the same place. I swear, y'all, I wish I could say that. That you could believe whatever it is you want, and if you believe it enough, and you really, really, you really, really do trust your belief, and, 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 and that that was good enough, and that your belief is what, what does it, I wish I could stand here and say that. That you could place your faith and your trust in Muhammad the prophet, or, or in, in, in Buddha, or in Joseph Smith. Or maybe you if, you, if you place your faith and your trust in yourself because you have somehow created some new, your own little truth. Like, I really wish that there was an out. I wish that we could search through the pages of Scripture and find a loophole somewhere. Like, I wish that. You know why I wish that? Because I've got, and I know you do, you've got plenty of friends and family that have died not in Christ. And I wish there was another way. Like, you have no idea how much I wish there was another way. I desperately wish and pray that there's an out. But that would be a lie. It would be a lie. And I'm called to preach and teach the truth. What does Scripture say? The gospel. The whole gospel. There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. Period. But that is not bad news. I can hear him saying it to Cornelius. Bro, like that's not bad news. That's good news. It's the best news ever, Cornelius, because here's the deal. For the Muslim, for the Jew, for the Buddhist, for the Hindu, for the Mormon, for the Jehovah's Witness, for the pagan, for anybody else, if they seek the light... If they seek the truth, if the quest is honest in their heart and in their mind, God will honor that every single time. God will honor that and he, would, he will provide more light. He will reveal himself more and more and more. He will provide um, um, the way. 
You know why he will provide the way and he will provide the light and he will provide the truth? Because he will provide his son. That is why. He will reveal the truth claims that scripture makes about his son. And he will do it 100% of the time. I have absolute, total, beyond a shadow of a doubt, trust that if we search and we ask God to reveal himself to us, he will do it every time. Notice the end of verse 36. It says, probably in your Bible, it says it in parentheses, he is Lord of all. Well, what does that mean? It means he's the Lord of all. I mean, that's what it means. Everything, every buddy, regardless of who you are, regardless of how you came in the front door of this building today, regardless of whatever baggage that you drug in here somehow, regardless of, of any, and, and you may have been dragging around baggage for 10, 20 years, like I don't know, regardless of that, regardless of, of church hurt, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of abuse as a child, whatever it is, like regardless of substance or alcohol stuff, whatever it is, regardless of whatever, you fill that blank in. He is the Lord of all of that. All of it. And he can redeem all of that, Cornelius. Verse 37. Again, it's Peter talking. And he's like, Cornelius, guys, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. So Peter's saying, Cornelius, this stuff didn't happen in the dark. It happened in the light. It wasn't in private. It was in public for everybody to see and everybody to hear. And he says, you heard the word. The information is available. All you people, the information is available. The word's been scattered by now, too. The word's been scattered all over the place. It's gone from Jerusalem into Judea into Samaria. It's, it's working its way to the end of the earth by now. He says, you know, Cornelius, it's out there. And I'm saying the same thing to y'all today. You know about Jesus Christ. You do. And if this is not your first time here, you definitely have heard the gospel. And if this is your first time here, you will not leave without hearing the gospel. So, so, so you've heard it. And if this is your first time here, it's probably not the first time you heard the gospel. We live in the Bible Belt, y'all. You, there's churches everywhere. So, like, you've heard it. You've heard it. You know, the gospel message is preached here every Sunday morning. The gospel is constantly proclaimed from this stage, whoever is preaching. And anywhere else that our church, Church on the Trail, has any sort of presence, the gospel is proclaimed. So you've heard it. You, you know about Christ. You have not lived in the dark. You definitely have not lived in the dark. And so now Peter goes on, he, he gives some more details to Cornelius. He says it all started in Galilee after John the baptizer baptized his cousin Jesus. John announced, John the Baptist, announced the coming of the Messiah. That was his role. And he did it boldly, and he did it unashamedly. Creepy John. If y'all have watched The Chosen, they call him Creepy John. So Creepy John paved the way for his cousin Jesus. They call him Creepy John because he's kind of a wild man. But he prepared the way, and he baptizes Jesus and Peter goes on to Cornelius in verse 38 with some more details of how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and when the Holy Spirit comes there's power 
There's power in the Spirit. So he's anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. God anointed him. The Holy Spirit rested on him. Matthew chapter 3 records that scene where Jesus takes the God plunge, where Jesus is is baptized um, by Creepy John. And it says this. It says, The Spirit of God descended like a dove, and it came to rest on him. The Holy Spirit came to rest on God's only Son. And it says that a voice from heaven came and, and said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. It said, This is the anointed one. I can hear Peter saying it to Cornelius. You heard about John the Baptist. You heard about that baptism. And you, you heard about the sky open and the heavens opening up. And he's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. God says he's the redeemer. He's the reconciler. This is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He has come and he came with a task. And he came with a purpose. I can hear him saying it. Cornelius, he didn't come just to hang out. He came with a purpose. Man, there's this scene in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, same guy that wrote the book of Acts. And Jesus is preaching in the synagogue in Nazareth, little town of Nazareth. And Jesus is in the synagogue. And in the synagogues, there was a basket like this, if y'all can see this basket. Can everybody see this basket? You probably can. There's a, there's a basket like that. And they didn't have... They didn't have no Bible like this. They didn't have no Bible like this, all tabbed out with the little book. No. No. They had basket with scrolls rolled up in there. And they had the scroll of Micah, and they had the scroll of, of Malachi, and they had the scroll of, of Deuteronomy, and the, all the scrolls, different books. And so Jesus is in Nazareth, and he's fixing to preach. And, and, and he's like, what? I reckon what I'm going to preach about. I reckon what I'm going to talk about in Luke chapter 4. And Luke is really going to be looking back at Isaiah because Jesus said think I'll preach about Isaiah think I'll read from the Isaiah scroll and so he he goes over to the basket and he's scrolling through and he picks up a scroll and it's and 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 it's like this it's just like this except it's parchment this is not parchment but he said I think I'm preach about Isaiah I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna walk these people through Isaiah and just so you know in a synagogue and usually the the scrolls today are much bigger than this but the scroll then would have been, this is about probably the size, and it would have been the, the, scroll, the Isaiah scroll, and it's all of Isaiah's prophecy. And when they would open it up, they literally would come down. Trip's going to kill me. But they would come down, and they would walk around, and they would hold it on their shoulder. And as they walked by a man who had a talus on, which is the shawl with fringe on it, he would roll the fringe around his two fingers on his right hand three times, touch the word of God, and then kiss it. Now, women weren't allowed to wear a talus, that shawl, so they just touched the scroll with their finger and kissed their hand, and they would walk around. Probably that happened before Jesus picks this scroll up in Isaiah 61, when he, when he, this scroll that's written there. When he's in that church in that, or that, that synagogue in Nazareth, that probably happened. And then Jesus gets back up there, and, and he does. You think about it, and Isaiah, like it ain't happenstance that Jesus picks up Isaiah, and it ain't happenstance that Luke records it, right? Isaiah, hugely messianic book of the Bible, 
hugely pointing towards Jesus as the Messiah. Isaiah. That book was super meaningful for me personally being led to Christ. Hugely meaningful. So Jesus opens up this scroll, and really, he probably, um, he probably opens it up. And, and when they did that, y'all, they would do that. Every time. You see it in the synagogue today when the, when a, uh, when the scrolls are pulled out of an ark, which is typically behind the, um, the stage. They'll walk around, let everybody kiss it, and then the rabbi will hold it up like that. That's what they do. And then they may set it down on some podium sort of looking thing, but then, they will, then they'll read from it. And in this case, and if you think about it, this is probably what Peter is doing with, with Cornelius when he is explaining the gospel to him, and he, and he probably holds it up. Do we have that slide? What's the next slide? Yeah. So Jesus, this is probably what he did. He holds it up, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Well, who's the poor? Who's the poor? Me and you are the poor. He goes on, he holds it up, and he says, He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Who's captive? I was captive, I promise you, for 37 years in shackles. I was captive. But he says, Cornelius, you've been shackled up captive? He said he came to provide liberty and freedom for that. And then he goes on, and he's holding it up, you know, and he says, and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. And he's reading this from this Isaiah scroll. And he's, he's, he's talking to these people in the synagogue. And he says, I came to provide to provide liberty and freedom for those who are oppressed. And then if you go down to verse 21, Luke chapter 4, verse 21, this is Jesus talking in the synagogue. He says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And he probably drops the mic in the basket. <laughs> right? Think about that. Isaiah Somebody tell me how long before Jesus is walking the planet that Isaiah was written. Say about 800 years Isaiah wrote that. Well, who is he writing that about, y'all? He's writing that about Yahshua, Jesus Christ. And so he says, Peter, jump back. Peter's saying, Cornelius, you heard all of that. How this Jesus began around the Sea of Galilee after being anointed and Proclaim the Messiah, and then verse 38 continues on. It says, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Going around doing good and healing all those that are oppressed by the devil. He went about doing good. Well, there's a shocker. He's God. Like, what else is he going to do but good, right? He couldn't do anything else. And he healed those that are oppressed by the devil. And I hardly ever quote, y'all, the message version of the Bible, but it says here that Jesus went about healing everyone who had been beaten down by the devil. That's what he did then, and that is what he does today. Raise your hand if you've ever felt beaten down by the devil. The truth is, keep your hand up if you felt beaten down by the devil this week. All the time, y'all. That's why, that's the oppressed that Isaiah was talking about. 
Praise the Lord. He can heal all of that. So Jesus enters into human history at absolute war with Satan. He enters into human history at war with Satan. And he unleashes the full force of the Godhead on Satan. And he wins. And he wins. And yes, the devil is roaming around. And yes, the devil is prowling around. And and yes, he is looking to destroy you and everything and everybody that you love. He is. But he's a defeated foe. He's a long-ago defeated foe because the full force of the Godhead has been unleashed on him. Verse 39, Peter says, Cornelius, we're witnesses of all they did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Again, we saw it all. We're all witnesses. He went about doing good and healing folks who had been beaten down by the devil. And they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. Now you think, okay, like, why would they do that? Can you imagine people would crucify a man for going around doing good? It doesn't make any sense. So they hung him on a tree. And, and Cornelius, right before he dies, this physical death, he says it is finished. Well, what's finished? The task is finished. Because you know what? He says it is finished and he dies a physical death. And liberty becomes available to the captives. And freedom becomes available to the oppressed. And vision becomes available to those who are blind. He's provided all that. It's done. It's over. Cornelius, it's over. So they hang him on a tree. And verse 40 says, but God raised him on the third day. So the devil deceived men to conspire against him, to murder him. But God raised him up. Man declares him a blasphemer. Man declared him guilty. But God reverses, took it to the Supreme Court, and that decision got overruled. And God says, no, 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 he's not a blasphemer. He's the king. He's not a blasphemer. He's the Lord of all. He's not a blasphemer. No, he's the redeemer. He's the Messiah. So God raises him up. The Bible goes on and says, and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He's like, Cornelius, he is alive. And I'm telling y'all, the day that I put my faith and trust in him as my Messiah, as my Lord, as my King, as my Redeemer, January of 2001, that day was the day that I came to life. That was the day that I knew that I'd never die. Now, sure, the bag of bones is going to go away, but my soul will live on eternally with him. And, yeah, there'll be a day where my resurrected body and my soul will be reunited. Y'all, what an amazing promise that is. So Peter is saying to Cornelius, this is not hearsay. Bro, I saw him. I walked with him. I talked with him. Five hundred of us walked with him and talked with him and hung out with him. Verse 42 goes on. And he commanded us to preach. Again, he's talking to Cornelius. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. We know the commander's intent. We know his intent. 
He gave us our marching orders. And they're not that difficult and complex. And Peter says to Cornelius, and I'm saying this to all of you, if Jesus is not your Redeemer, if He's not your Deliverer, if He's not your Savior, if He's not your Lord, if He's not your Reconciler, then He will be your Judge. He will. He will. But it doesn't have to be that way. Because what did I say 20 minutes ago? Salvation is available to you. Salvation is in Christ. And salvation is only in Christ. Verse 43 goes on, To him, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Peter's done with his sermon. He says, to him, to this Jesus Christ I've been talking to you all about, Cornelius, cousins, friends. The prophets bear witness all about him. And that everybody who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins through his name. Do you believe that this morning? Do you really believe it? Do you believe that salvation is available to everybody that comes to him? Do you believe that? That it is found in him? That it is found in Christ, in, in Christ by grace, through faith? Do you really believe that? So Peter says here, everyone who believes receives forgiveness. So it's just a matter of believing? Yeah. So I don't have to do this and that or that or this? No. No, you, you don't. It's just believing. Yeah. I can imagine Cornelius. Give me some grace here. Cornelius at the pearly gates, standing there after he dies his physical death. And the chief cooking bottle washing angel opens up the gate and he says what you doing here he says, I don't know he look, the angel looks back out there and he says on, on, like why are you here on what basis are, are you here because I don't think you've been baptized I don't, I don't know like why are you here and Cornelius says because the man on the middle cross said I could come the man on the middle cross says that you can come. Y'all get that? Don't care what you look like. That angel probably said to Cornelius, you're a Gentile. Your granddaddy ain't Abraham. He said, yeah, but the man on the middle cross said I could come. Y'all, it's the greatest news ever. We call the gospel the good news. It's the greatest news ever. Do you believe that as we sit here today? Do you believe that you're a sinner? And I know that word, I say it all the time, and that makes it sound like I'm asking you, did you commit 17 murders last week? That's not what I'm asking you. Well, did you rob a bank? No, you probably didn't rob a bank, I don't imagine. Maybe the better question is, do you admit that you're broken? And you may have tried to fix it yourself for years and years, but do you admit that you have a, a leaning towards being prideful, a leaning towards being uh, egocentric? Is, do you have a leaning, a bent towards me, 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 me? It's not me, 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 me. It's he, 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 he. So do you admit your brokenness and do you turn away from that and turn, turn towards him? Toward, turn towards the guy on the middle cross. Place saving faith and trust in him. Well, then what's the content of that? That he died on the cross to bridge that chasm that I talked about earlier that he died on the cross to take care 
of that sin and that he walked out of that grave 100% alive. Cornelius, he's alive. And Cornelius, because he lives, you can live. All them other leaders, they're all dead. They're ashes. But he's not. He's alive. So do you really, do, do you believe that today? And if you do believe that, if you do believe that, the book says that you'll receive forgiveness of sins in his name. If you do believe that this morning, maybe make it personal and just say, Jesus, come into my life. Just say, Jesus, I, I, like, I didn't believe this before, but I believe every bit of it. I believe all of it. I believe that book from page one to the end. Lord, today's the day that I, that, that I believe and acknowledge and confess that I do think about myself too much, that I am all about me. Lord, that, that I really must be a sinner. But Lord, I do believe that you took care of that, and I'm turning away from it. The best I can, Lord, I'm going to turn away from it, and I confess it to you, and I give it to you, and I leave it at the cross, and I trust that you'll move it as far as the east is from the west. Lord, save me. That's true for you. You just went from blind to vision. You just you just went from beat down by the devil to raised up by the Messiah. And you will live forever with him. We have somebody in our church family whose mama died in the last 24 hours. And we were talking on the phone this morning. And I said, Do you believe that what you believe is really real? And she said, I do. And I said, Well, then she's in she's in a better place. That's just not some myth, y'all, that we say to each other and make each other feel good. It's the truth. It's the truth. She is in the arms of the Savior. What could be better than that? And you know what? My dad's standing next to him. Like, are you kidding me? Y'all, it's not just some myth to make us all feel better. It is the truth. It is the truth. And so if you, if that was you today, just let us know on a little connection card. Our prayer, somebody on our prayer team will be back there. Would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. And I'm going to say it like I say it every Sunday that me and Susan will be out in that little area after church, but somehow we never make it out all the way that far. So if we're not out there, just walk this way and we're somewhere over there. And I would love to talk to you if this is your first time here or second time here, or if we've never had a conversation, like I would love to do that turn it back over to our worship team and y'all stand up and, and worship worship he that makes salvation available
Brothers and sisters, thank you for being here to worship God with us today. Have a blessed week.